Hello. Welcome back. This week's episode, we have Peter May on sharing his career and journey after soccer. He played soccer at the University of Evansville in Evansville, Indiana, and he shares what it was like transitioning out of soccer. He suffered multiple concussions when he played and kind of had an abrupt ending to his career. Peter spent a lot of time coaching, and he's currently in school at University of Denver in a law and business program. Peter was my first in-person interview, and it was awesome. I appreciate everyone listening, and if you have any questions, comments, concerns, guests that you want to hear, shoot me a text, email, Instagram, whatever, because that's kind of how this thing has been continuing. People just reaching out and sending in stories that they want to hear. I hope everyone enjoys, and without further ado, Peter May. We're here with Peter May. Got our beers. Cheers. Cheers. This is awesome. Um, sitting currently at Traverse Fitness in the altitude room. We're sitting around 9,000 feet. So another soccer person for y'all. Here to hear his story. He's in grad school right now at DU yeah. in law school. So excited to hear about transition from soccer to law school and everything yeah. in between. Yeah, uh, certainly been a journey. So. You know, first of all, thanks for doing this. This is pretty cool. Um, having a platform to hear other people talk about the way that they've been able to become a narc is pretty cool. I shouldn't say narc. No, I say narc. Um, that's not nice. But it's really awesome. So thanks for thanks for thinking of me. Thanks for including me. Yes, I was a soccer guy. Um, as you know, not just a player, but also have spent several years, you know, you say I'm in graduate school, but I'm also old to be in graduate school. So there was several years in between there where I was working um, and I worked in soccer. I was a director of coaching at various youth clubs here in Denver, typically um, between 14 to 19 year old boys and girls and really kind of helped them with the recruiting process and getting recruited and having the opportunity to play in college like we both did. Um, so you're, you're well-versed in that experience as well, and I, I had several years um, of developing young people and coaching and that as well. So I think that that's kind of where it'll start. You know, for, for me, the reason I got into coaching is because my playing career was ended rather abruptly, and it was a way to kind of keep myself involved in it. So similar to, I listened to a couple of the other podcasts and your, listened to your experience as well, as like sitting there like, what the fuck am I supposed to now do? So when I was a senior, I played soccer at the University of Evansville, small division one school in Indiana. Um, but my senior year, I got my eighth diagnosed concussion. So actually that took me out of school for a semester because I had some pretty severe post-concussive syndrome type things going on. And I was coming back and I was ready to probably take my fifth year and had to go see a neurologist and do all kinds of different stuff. And at that point, my mom is awesome and has never been a person to like tell me how my life is gonna be. She's 
it's hard to do that when you have an idiot teenage boy, right? Is to not tell them what they should do. Uh, but she has never once been a person to tell me what I should do in my life. And so when I'm sitting in a doctor's office with my mother, I know that this is my decision. Um, and so we're sitting there and they said, you know, Peter, you've had X many concussions and you've had these things go on. They're like, you can play, but recognize, I'll never forget this. He said, if you get another one, there's a chance that you're eating mashed potatoes through a straw. And I was like, oh. And my mom turned white as a ghost. She didn't say a word, but she was like pale. I can't keep playing. So that day I decided it was really hard. Um, went through some like, you know, ups and downs and some, some, uh, some, certainly some depression, certainly some like searching, right? Soul searching for what my identity is, which is again, a common theme on, on these podcasts. Um, what, what my identity was. So. For a while, I wanted nothing to do with soccer, and I had to finish school though, so because I took that extra semester off. So they invited me to coach as a volunteer assistant, whatever you want to call it, for my for where I played, which was weird because I was coaching my teammates, I was coaching my friends, whatever. Were you still 22. living with them at the time? Yeah, that was horrible. It was really weird. <laughs> a couple of my roommates were on the team. They'd always try to figure out what coach was saying. I'm like, you don't want to know. Don't want to know. <laughs> you don't want to know. It's not nice. Um, no, most of them it was. So I did that, and during that time, I picked up a couple of youth teams, and I really enjoyed it. I was good at it. That kind of began my journey into coaching. So I had applied to law school back in 2014, and I got into DU, and that's where I was going to go. And I decided, like, I wasn't done with this journey because I felt shortchanged, right? Like, I had... I thought I was gonna be a pro soccer player. Now, was I good enough? I don't know. Maybe, if I if I wanted it enough or was willing to like live on pennies on the dollar, right? Probably would have, probably could have, but didn't have the opportunity to. So I was like, you know what? I'll I'll just try to keep this coaching thing going. And so I came out here and I got a job at Colorado Rush, which is a pretty well known club around the country. And I worked with the boys and girls academy, ECNL and Development Academy. So it's a good level, and got to be around a lot, like a lot of like really good young athletes, and got to help develop them, and that was a lot of fun. When I was 22, 23, it was a lot of fun, and worked there for several years. Kind of was like doing more than just coaching, kind of running the club, and then got the opportunity to go work with the Colorado Rapids. Did that for a couple years as well, three years. Same same deal, same job, and again, my identity was about being involved in the sport but my lifestyle was awful. I was on the field till 9 p.m. every night. I was working 80 hours a week. 2019, I traveled 31 weekends to go to tournaments and games. And, yeah. and it's not like, like, cause I grew up in Kentucky, so I grew up in the Southeast as well. It's not like there where you just hop in a car, you drive three hours and you play a game. Yeah. You got on a plane, you go to Kansas City, you go to Seattle, you go to You're going Dallas. Yeah, all over the country. So that, War on me. I got sick of it. My, my, my relationships got sick of it because it was giving to a sport that was no longer really giving back to me. And that's where, that's where I kind of like had a little bit of a issue, I would say. You know. Well, like you get to a point where you're like, I don't want to be resentful of the sport that's given me so much, but like 
I'm fucking tired and I want to be home. Uh-huh. And like these kids are awesome. That's what I would not coach on that level of like traveling that far. But yeah. even coaching like driving an hour. These kids are great, but I don't. I like cannot believe the amount that the coaches I had put into me because I feel like I cannot put that in and like give that back to these kids. Like I'm like I'm so tired. I mean, it's you, incredible. It is incredible, and you got to think about it too. And you probably never have. But like, think about how many of your coaches were either single or divorced. Oh my gosh. Like all of them. Yeah, or got divorced. Yeah, like yeah. every single one. Like it's... it is a hard life. In a way, it was the same thing as playing, right? You give and you give and you give and you give and you give. At the level that you were playing at, like, a complaint that I hate is all, I'm working so hard. Like, yeah, everyone's working fucking hard. Fucking everyone's <laughs> working hard. That's how we got here. Everyone's trying hard. <laughs> yeah. Everyone, no everyone, shit. yeah, yeah. So I hate that. You can work and work and work and work and work, but the return is not guaranteed, right? I saw an awesome. I think it was Georgia Tech's Georgia Tech strength coach the other day. I saw like a little blur, and he said the only thing guaranteed in life is losing if you don't try, because everybody's trying hard, but winning isn't guaranteed. Yeah. If you don't try, you're gonna lose. So that kind of struck a chord with me, but. It's hard because in both as a player and as a coach, at some point, you might be putting more into it than you're getting out of it. And I think where kind of everything came to an end to me was like I was putting everything into it and I was not happy anymore. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you, I didn't watch play do anything with soccer for probably six months after I quit coaching, quit that job. Honestly, as awful as COVID was, it was awesome for me because it gave me an opportunity to like not be on the field because they didn't let us. You didn't have an option. Like Peter isn't just a fucking soccer coach. Like I like to run. I like to ride my bike. I like to do all of these other things. I like to go to breweries on Saturday night, like a normal fucking person <laughs> yeah. with my friends. Yeah. And not have to worry about waking up Sunday morning to go coach some 14 year olds that's mom's mom maybe gonna yell, probably gonna yell at me yeah. for something. That was a blessing. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of been my journey to where I am at this point. And you know, I, I can be honest I can be honest with you too and say like twice when there were big changes in my life. One being when I could no longer play at a high level, because now I play beer league and I'm six I'm six three center back, so I head the ball a lot. Still? No, fuck no, never. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like now Peter, I go play. Now I go play. Just sit down and talk about oh that. Oh my god! Now <laughs> I go play, and everybody's like, "Peter, go head it," and I'm like, "Uh, no, no I'm not doing that." <laughs> I'll stand back here. Yeah, but like when I finished playing. I had a fucked up kind of like relationship with exercise, right? Like, I had this conversation today with someone. Did you? I did. I listened to a podcast with Abby Wambach and Brene Brown. Mm -hmm. And Abby Wambach was saying, of all the things after soccer that she struggles the most with is exercise and consistency with that, Mm -hmm. nutrition. And I was like, of all people who's, yeah, like, for her to say, I struggle with consistency and working out. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it feels nice to hear. Well, and it's like, it becomes so, 
I think part of the reason why I never quit is like I didn't know what to do with the time that I was doing practicing. Yeah. Until I was almost 30 years old, every day I had a practice to go to. Did you coach multiple teams at night? Huh. Yeah. So like, as a director, I was the director of the boys' academy in ECNL at the Rapids. And I coached the girls' ECNL team. So I had my own teams and then I oversaw the whole program. So, so when you're done, you're just kind of wandering around. Wandering around or covering people or like if another, like so if a coach had a license or something to go to, I covered their team. Or the other thing too is like certain times in the year, I had to give, you give the coaches days off. Mm. So guess who never got a day off? Yeah. <laughs> the director. Three trainings a night typically. So like from four to like 9 p.m. Mm -hmm. And then I was in the office all day like that. doing fucking youth soccer shit, which is basically emailing emailing parents that are parents yeah. that are yeah. pissed their kid isn't <laughs> yeah. playing yeah. even though their kid is yeah. ten years old and it sucks. Or is really good but they're ten and you're yeah. like, hey yo. Your kid is it'll be cool. A child. It'll be cool. They'll be they're five. using a size four ball. Yeah, size exactly. three actually. Exactly. So what I was getting at there is that both times, both when I quit coaching and when I quit playing, I had a long period of time where I like wanted nothing to do with this sport that had like made my living, yeah, you know, and had been something that I loved, um, and I still love. I just had such a toxic relationship with it that I wanted nothing to do with it. So, and I know that you've talked a bit about that, and and like the initial podcast that you did, you spoke to that. You know, I just I just wonder like how common that is. You said Abby Wambach, I bet you've heard it from several other people. Yeah. There is a mix of people who either wanted nothing to do with it, didn't want to touch a soccer ball, couldn't pay them to go, yeah. like, kick around. And then there was others, I feel like I was kind of in between of, like, I want to go kick around, but the second that it gets, like, kind of, like, not too competitive, because I think I'm really competitive in nature, mm -hmm. but just, like... I want to enjoy it, and the second I'm not enjoying it, I'm just like, okay, I, yeah. I, this isn't what I came for. Yeah. Or, I guess, I don't want to play in goal. Like, I don't like playing in goal now, and not, I will. I just, I don't really want to hit the ground. Mm -hmm. I enjoy, like, being around people and talking to them when I'm on the field. So in soccer, I was almost in the goal and, like, couldn't hang out with anyone because yeah. I'm just standing there. Yeah. And I loved playing in goal, but I think now I'm... Not I've never met a goalkeeper who plays after they're done. Every goalkeeper that I know, like on like a co-ed team, or like they're like, no, fuck that, I'm not playing there. Like, like I'm yeah. playing on the field. Oh well, yeah, no, and I think it's because we were always like had FOMO. We were never allowed to hop in. I I had one year stint where I told my coach. I don't think I really told anyone this, but I was like, I don't want to. I'm not playing goal. Yeah. Either I'm quitting, or I'm playing on the field. Yeah. And I was like one of the fittest, so I was able to kind of swing it that way. Yeah, like, right. I'm the highest beat test on the team. Look, like I can, I can play in the field. I don't care. I'll just run up and down. I just I'm not enjoying this, and I I know I will, but I'm not yeah. right now. And fortunate, my coach was really um, understanding and kept me on the team. Um, and I played in the field. I played like six minutes that season. Yeah. I ended up traveling to some games, um, but not all games. And right. I went from like playing and, and starting some games to not playing at all or traveling, but it was my choice. Yeah. And I think it was like the one thing that saved my career and saved my like love for it. 
But yeah, I, I fell back in love with playing in the goal, but I fucking hated it for like yeah. a good year and a half. Nope, won't catch me in the goal. No. I don't tell people no. when I play co-ed, I'm like, yeah, I played soccer. No. Not, I'm not telling you what position, but. I'm the same way, but when things get, when it gets too serious, I kind of recuse myself because I turn into this like psycho human being that I start coaching nobody people. wants to be yeah. around. So I, I don't, I try not to play too high a level because it becomes that. I mean, and the other thing too is like, I was coaching some very good players. I mean, I had one team that had like, we had six youth national team players on one team. Yeah. Like half our starting lineup was US national team yeah. girls. And you seventeen, like you it wasn't, can't, like, like you have to be fucking on them constantly, be better, be better, be better, yeah. because they want that at that point. They're 16, 17, They want that. They need that. That was part of it too. Is that my soccer at that point was constantly like so serious that it sometimes lost the fun. I didn't enjoy it. Yeah, made it hard to enjoy. So yeah. I know, that's why I played co-ed the other night, and the level wasn't great um, in general, but yeah. I think, like, obviously compared to what I'm used to, and I also, I also think just, like, the level of athleticism was, like, pretty minimal, and so the guys that were on my team were super athletic yeah. and great at soccer, yeah. so they just hold on to the ball and run, and I'm like, you can't run through someone, <laughs> just move the ball move the ball, pull wide, and then I found myself like getting pissed off because yeah. I'm like, just pass it, get yeah. it off your foot. Um, but then I'm like, I'm not here to coach people, yeah. and I also like, are, this is, I'm, I'm like, just drink a beer before I came, so I'm yeah, just right. gonna like have a good time here. Right. But yeah, one of the guys was like, if you're not here to play, like get off the field. Uh, okay. And I was like, you're not good enough okay. to say that right now. Um, so that's when I like get annoyed, but if the <laughs> level's high and it's really competitive, that's where I really enjoy it. Yeah. But if the level's low and it's not fair, it's not fairly competitive, but it's just kind of bitchy. Yeah. I'm like, yo, if you're not good enough to say that. So it becomes hard, right? Because that's really hard to find, especially especially the older you get, right? Like, so I play on a team very sporadically because that's the other thing, like. I figured out that hey, you know what? Saturday morning, Sunday morning, I don't want to be I don't want to make obliged to go uh, play this shitty soccer game. <laughs> I'd far rather go on a bike ride or yes. go on a hike, or you know what? Maybe just sit in my house and be hungover. I'm hungover, <laughs> and I cannot commit to uh, you yeah. for my future hungover self. Yeah, because I'll right. be upset with myself. Right. So yes, um, oh it's hard gosh. to find that that middle. Um, but I hope I hope that people do because I think when you do it's fun. So I did I, this summer. You know about this. I coached. Uh, I I came back um, to coach a Rapids team. It's called WPSL. It's basically second division women's professional soccer in the U.S. Colorado has the third most women's national team players behind California and New Jersey, which are like perennial powers like yeah always have been. always have good players right so and then you got Colorado which is basically Denver just so random so yeah I mean very lucky but I coached this team this summer which is basically a bunch of college college kids that come home and it was so fun because the level was so good for one but the other thing was that like 
I've known, I knew a lot of these girls since they were 15. Now they're like 20, 21, 22. And are normal adults. I don't have to deal with their parents anymore, which is key. I'd freak out. I thinking back, like if my mom or dad ever did that, I'd lose my mind. Um, I think my dad would be scared too. Because he would know the, the repercussions to come. But what I'm saying is that I found this like kind of middle ground where like it was serious, but I'm not losing my job if they don't win every game. Yeah. And they're home for the summer. They're enjoying themselves. You understand this as much as anybody. Like club soccer is 40 times more fun than college soccer is. Maybe not for everybody, but for most people I talk to, they far prefer and those it's not days. Your job. Yeah, and you have things outside of club soccer, whereas in college I didn't feel like I had things outside of it. Right. I think the other thing too is like with college soccer, like you gotta think about this. I feel bad for these people. This is why I had a couple opportunities to go coach college soccer and I never did it because think about this. You are an adult, you have obligations, family, home, and you're relying on a bunch of 18 to 22 year old fucking idiots to feed your family. Yeah. Like that is awful situation. I think about that a lot. That's a terrible position to have. And you think about like coaches, like my coach, I love him. Mm -hmm. Great. Definitely like you would catch him on a bad day as anyone. Yeah. I would be stressed out too. Like I cannot imagine having, first of all, to deal with, we had 30, at one point 34 girls on our team. Yeah. 34 girls every day. No. And then also like, Hope that, like, do everything you can that we can win. Yep. And have you have no say when you're on the field. Right. Well, and that's what your job is on the line for is to win. Yeah. Whereas when the, in youth soccer, like, this is why I think it's more fun. My job was to help someone become better. Mm-hmm. And if we lost some games, okay. If we won some games, okay. Yeah. Like, What's the best experience? Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't matter. Totally. So that's why I chose to do that. Um, and this last experience that I had this summer... Though it was stressful, though it kind of added more to my plate, it was more than I was thinking it would be. Kind of a yes man though, I'm like, yeah, I'll do that. I think, I think at this point in my life, I've had my opportunity to coach kids that will be in the next Olympics, right? Seriously, like that's pretty cool. Like yeah. there might be a couple. Or kids that are playing currently for the Rapids, you get to see that, they're 20 years old, they're yeah. playing, that's awesome. Like it makes me happy. But that became my identity. Oh, I coached that kid. Who gives a fuck? Yeah. Who cares? I've recognized, you know, and and do they does do they know about Traverse here on the um yeah on the for podcast? the most part. I'll just Jen, yeah. Jen and I know each other through um, a gym that I go to. Genevieve is one of the coaches, and we've gotten to know each other through that. This is, this is like my new kind of like practice. It's like this thing that I come to and I enjoy, but the thing that I love about it is that like now at this point in my life, I can be as competitive or not as I want to be. And I am competitive. That's so funny, right? Because you see different types of people, but I'm so internally motivated that Sometimes you don't need competition. I don't need it, right? Someone just needs to tell me what to do. And yeah. that's been the best part about this is that now I've found somewhere where, where, where that's, that competition, that need for it is like satisfied. And then I get to 
have this kind of locker room feel that I think that's what you miss more than anything, honestly. Like when I look look back at, at why I continued to coach and why I tried to even though I had a tough tough ending to my playing experience, why I tried to do that is that I was trying to fulfill this locker room kind of experience with people. You like people you can always see. I don't realize like I see you you all every day. Yeah, right. And I don't realize that until I leave and I say, I'll see y'all tomorrow. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, thank goodness. But like, it's like now everyone does their own thing, but they always come back and have a common mm-hmm. love of, you like to bike, I like to go hiking, I yeah. like to ski, snowboard, go out to the mountains and stuff. So we might not all do it together, but we know when we come in, I'm moving my body because I want to go outside. Yeah. And same with you. And so it's kind of cool. And also to the point of being internally motivated, but also competitive. The other day when we did the 10 sprints and Klein goes up by 1% every oh, time. That's horrible. Horrible. Oh, you're my buddy though. Yeah. I'm like, fuck that. But then I know next, like, next to me, I'm like, well, Pete's getting crushed right now too. So yeah, like, terrible. here we go. We're stepping up to the line yeah. together, but not at the same speed. Yeah. We're not going like competing against each other, which is kind of cool. Like, I'm not trying to beat this person and beat yeah. them out. I'm just trying to be in the same space with them. We're both down. Yeah. That's it. Well, I think you and I are like that. Some other people. <laughs> Some other people here are like, how fast are you going? I know. Which is cool too. That's the other thing great. I like about it's it. It's another space. Yeah. There's an ex. There's also an opportunity to be externally motivated, which is, I think, what a lot of people seek, is like to have whatever motivation it is to, to, to compete. You know, because it could be like, there, there's so many people who have found a way to compete, like in business or like, that's part of the reason I went to school, is I feel like I have an opportunity to compete, to try to win, to try to beat someone. Because law school is a different breed of, they well, rank you, don't so I, Yeah, they do. Um, I'm currently, so I'm doing, it's an MBA as well. Right now I'm doing business school stuff. We're all applying for the same jobs. We're all applying for different internships. You know, the, the, the fucking old intern over here. <laughs> I call myself an intern. People are like, you're the intern? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I'm old, that's right. That's me. You're not that old. Nah, I'm not that old, I feel old though. I think people seek most importantly, that camaraderie to feel like, to, not just that they're a part of something, but more so that someone else is going through something similar. I think when people, I, I shouldn't say people, when I have had the hardest times in my life is when I felt alone or isolated. And I think that's, that's that first step after you get out of sport or whatever it is. Um, is, is that there's this, this isolation like and then there's also that time where you're like oh I want to repeat this experience with someone else I think that's where sometimes as a coach and I can say this like as a coach like sometimes we fail is that you are leaving somebody when somebody leaves your program leaves your leaves your tutelage whatever it is they're then stuck in this thing like oh I have to replicate that when in reality, it's like, go find this in a different way. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that, that was, that's always been 
made to be a priority by specifically colleges, right? Like college sports a lot of times. Now, I'm sure there's good stories there too, but a lot of times it's like, okay, you're done with my program, and then you get a fucking letter when you're 22 years old. Hey, alumni, give us money. I don't have money. <laughs> it's like, you give how, me about, money. how about you help me get a job and yeah. move on to the next part of my life? I, um, I think that's a big part of it. And then, and then the other, so that, that like isolation, needing to feel that. And then I think the other thing is just like, you seek this. I have the same group of, of four or five friends from, from, college. from college. And I can like tell you like two memories we had on the field that I've talked about. I can tell you about the time that we like threw a party in the locker room and we're popping bottles and we came back to the locker room on Tuesday after a long weekend and there was mold everywhere. Oh and the coaches are like, coaches are like, what the fuck happened in here? Like we gotta get this thing and we're all just sitting there just like Must have been a leak. Exactly. Oh the showers are awful. Um, fix these things but, like, I, but I'm sitting here, I'm like trying to think like you know, there's a couple games here and there that I remember, but I think ultimately it's like finding this, this group of people that you know are always going to be down to have fun, always going to be down to joke around, and, and most importantly are there to be a shoulder to lean on or to help you or, or are always willing to, to step, step up for you. So I think that's one thing that you lose as you get older is those people that like I think everybody kind of relies on one person at some point, right? Your, your spouse or your significant other, whatever that might be. It's like, this is the person who's standing up for me, but there was a time where you had 10 people that would like, doesn't matter how stupid the thing yeah. you need to get taken care of is, they'd be there. So those two things um, are, are, are what I don't think we're sometimes prepared to deal with. That's like, I think Traverse has been so helpful for me and I think it's a unique place. You go from, you're in situations where you can find that more easily yeah. into, I'm not sure about you, but most of our friends moved away. So we're pretty spread out. At one point we were all in different time zones. Yeah. I struggled to find that in Denver until I found Traverse. And so I think putting yourself in situations or trying to find like a tribe who you can lean on or tap into, like even when you're not in the same location. Right. Was my saving grace. It, There's no way I would have made it. And it's hard because it's the first time you've ever had to be like, go move here. You don't know anybody, and also you're not in a group. Of, you're not being recruited to come here. You're not automatically in a group of people who are going to be your friends. Yeah. Like that's tough, right? I mean, so similar to you, I, I've always been kind of, and you could, you could probably speak to this pretty shy. I don't talk to a lot of people. So like at Traverse, it even took me like a couple of weeks as, as crazy as everybody is and friendly as everybody is. It took me a couple of weeks to like talk to people because I just like put my head down and I go to my treadmill and then I run and then I leave. It's pretty accurate, isn't it? That's fair. <laughs> I remember I think one of your first workouts, I did, we, we had masks on them. Yeah. And I remember because I was like, who is this tall ass man in the next week? <laughs> and it was cool to see you like, Start interacting with people, yeah. getting to know people. Yeah. Obviously, you knew Billy, and obviously, like, we've now yeah. formed a relationship. So, it is that's a good point, though. And I'm sure so hard, right? you and soccer, 
when you were in college wasn't like that. I'm sure you were like loud with your friends and yeah. you were able to be yourself, but it's hard to figure out like who am I when I'm not surrounded by the people that have always known me. Right. And now I have to like talk to someone right. by myself. Well, I've even struggled with school, right? Because I'm now thrown into a group of Young bucks. different type of people <laughs> that are, are there any athletes that are in your program or people who maybe a couple, a couple. I think something that I've really tried hard to do, Jen, is like not disclose to people that I was an athlete. Mm-hmm. Like if it comes up, if it just comes up in a conversation, like okay, fair enough. Yeah. Or like this other, this is a fucking psychotic thing that people do in school, graduate school. They'll read your LinkedIn like. I do that. Every every, <laughs> every line of it. So like, oh, you work for the Rapids, huh? And I'm like, uh, how did you know that? Yeah. <laughs> You had to go, uh, like, yeah. really deep on my LinkedIn, didn't yeah. you? <laughs> oh, my God. Um, I do that. But I only do that for the podcast. I don't do that for school. Oh, no. That's what they do. That's what, that's what people do all the time. They just, like, know everything about you. It's kind of weird. I tried not to necessarily make that one of the first things that I say to people because... Well, because the other thing, too, is, like, I don't want to be a joke, either. I don't want to be the person that, like, oh, glory days over here. Like, what yeah. are you talking about? We don't care. School's been interesting because... I've been thrown into a group of people that do not have similar interests or similar experiences or I, I grew up in Kentucky and I live here and I say Kentucky to people and they're always like, you're the first person I've ever met from Kentucky. <laughs> I, was just gonna say that. I was like, I have family like, in Kentucky, but yeah. yeah, that's like Kansas for me Yeah, or like Nebraska. Right. So I'm like, yeah, yeah. Life is very different there than it is here. I don't have a southern accent. Which I didn't realize you were from Kentucky, like, for a long time. Yeah, because I moved here too. Um, But I was given kind of a tribe right right away, like people I was coaching with and working with. Were they similar age? Yeah, which was nice. Actually, when I was at Rush, part of our salary was they they had a condo for, like, a couple of... Nice. The younger guys to live in. So I lived with my one of my really good friends, Elliot. He's uh, he just went to he just got a job at IMG. Nice. Yeah, he's awesome. Yeah, we lived together. They just put us in a house, which was great. Makes it easy. Easy. That was my friend automatically. Fr- yeah. Little French guy. Yeah. And this guy, this you red, have no redneck from Kentucky. We yeah. better be friends, right? <laughs> so it's been more difficult to kind of make friends without having this like you're a part of this. Yeah. I do think, however. That there's a little bit of it's healthy because now there's a balance in my life that wasn't always there and that would be kind of one of the things that I would I don't know if I don't know if there are like if this is mainly geared towards people who have finished their their playing careers but if there's one thing and I've said this to a lot of my players over the years like go to prom Do big go to events. homecoming go if your college has a big party weekend, go do it. Do you need to make sacrifices to be good at what you're doing? 100%. But if you only ever sacrifice, you're going to hate it. You're going to resent it. You're going to be in a spot that you and I were in where it's like, fuck, I'm so glad that this is over. But but then you're going to be in a spot where it's like coming off of a drug, right? I mean, it's it's, a toxic relationship. I love this thing, but like I'm not happy in it, but I can't imagine life without it, so right. what do I do? Right. 
So I, I tell kids all the time, like, I can't tell you how many girls would, like, come up to me, like, when I was coaching, like, Coach Peter, I have prom on Friday. I'd be like, oh, go to prom. Don't play the game on Saturday. Like, that's cool. I'd be like, what? And that took me several years. But you have to find balance because, and I'm preaching to myself here, I finally found balance and I'm finally happy all the time. Mm -hmm. That was probably the hardest thing is that you're taught not to balance, right? Dry season, don't do this, don't do this. 6 a.m. workouts, like soccer, school. Pick a school, pick a place to be that's gonna allow you to have this all-encompassing experience. I can't tell you how many kids in Colorado like, oh, I'm going to, I don't want to say a name because I don't want to talk shit about some school, but I'm going to this school. And I'm like, I'm like, Regis is recruiting you. And they're like, oh, that's division two. I'm like, it's in Denver. You're going to fucking Southeast Louisiana. Like, Enjoy. Do you know how many kids transfer back to Colorado after well, freshman year? All of them. That idea of balance, I kind of struggle with in grad school. Yeah. And I'm curious about your experience. I know work-to-life balance, well, for me, work is traversed, life is grad school. Yeah. So, like, my work-to-life balance looks different than someone who just works and doesn't go to schools. Mm -hmm. And I was just wondering if you've had that experience as well. As a coach, work-life balance was, it doesn't exist. Because you take everything home with you because if you're not good at it, you don't. But you take things home with you because you have a relationship with these people, you care about these people. The, the struggle for me with the life-work balance while I was a coach was that typically when you're coaching sports, especially youth sports, it's on somebody else's personal time. So they then create this, the parents or the player or whatever it is, it's their extracurricular. So they create this setting where it's like, oh, this is my personal time. So there are no boundaries. Whereas for me, it was work. Yeah. So very quickly, there is no boundary because the people you're associating with or communicating with, whatever that might be, are like, well, this is, this is I'm choosing to do this. This is my personal time. This is what I want to do with it. And I'm like, this is work. Yeah. I and know. so there's none. And then weekends, you travel. If I had traveled during the week, might it have been different? Yeah, for sure. But weekends, you travel. Travel Friday to Sunday. So I travel Friday morning, get home Sunday night late. I have to be in the office first thing in the morning, Monday. So there's no balance there. Could you make, could you do a better job of it? Yes, but that would mean that you are not doing as good as somebody else. Right? Which and again, it's about sacrifice, right? Yeah. Like. There are some people who would sacrifice, I mean, not some, there are so many people who have sacrificed relationships, happiness. And there are some people who are very, very happy doing it. That is their choice, that's yeah. what they want to do. Agreed. More power to them. They're, they're gonna be awesome at it. But there's also a lot of people that I know that are m miserable because of the sacrifice they constantly have to make. And it, it's, it's no longer a sacrifice, it's just part of it. So. Balance in that world is impossible. With school, this is gonna sound bad, and I, I've kind of gotten to the point where, now, I'm a far better student at 29 than I was at 
2019. <laughs> it's fair. Um, so I, time, I, management of time is far better. But one thing that I've, I've figured out is, is kind of this like opportunity cost of time, right? Or the value of time. And do I need to do a lot of studying? Yes. Do I need to spend an extra hour to get an 87 versus an 85? Fuck no, it's the same grade, it doesn't matter. Do I need to spend this, do I need to spend an extra two hours, you know, to make sure that every comma is correct in this long research paper that I'm writing? No, because one person's gonna read it. I used and to put comments in between the middle of my papers to see if my teacher would catch it. And I think like once or twice, I would write, I love cats, like middle of the paper. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Once or twice, they would say like, did you mean to put this in here? The rest of the time, never commented. That's where the balance comes in, right? Yeah. And it's, it's funny because you start to think about it, what you make priority for. And, and I'm still bad at it. Like you could ask Morgan, you know Morgan, you can ask my girlfriend, like I'm still bad at it. Sometimes you're taught to like, like as an athlete in college, you're always busy. It's like do, 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 There's do, do, do. There isn't balance. There's none. There's none because like... What Our balance other... was Sunday night. We had Sunday fun day because yeah. we had Monday off. What do other college kids do? Do they work? Most of them don't. They have time to balance. So I think part of the issue, again, as an, as an adult, following this leads back to some of the things, some of, some of the practices that I created as a as an athlete is that like I've normalized having like no life which is cool because I certainly was making a sacrifice for something that I wanted there's a time and a place for that but it becomes difficult when you leave that world and because at the end of the day like everybody works hard I don't I don't know that many like really lazy people I don't know that many people and maybe that's because I don't associate myself with, with that type of person. But in all honesty, I don't know very many people who's like, who are willing to put their name on something and not... Put their own... Yeah, like, not really care about the result. Yeah. So it comes down to learning how to best create an environment for yourself to be successful. And I do think that there's a lot of good that came from being an athlete to create that. But I also think people always talk about how sports and life are so similar and I think there are some great life lessons to take from it. It's not the same, 100%. And that's okay. You can find it in other places, you can find it in other worlds, you can do other things. And you can be passionate about it and you need to be. Good lessons learned doesn't mean that that's the lifestyle that needs to continue. And this is coming from somebody who my life was teaching kids those lessons. The other thing too that I reflect on is like, I wish it wasn't stressful because those were some fun fucking days. And that's why sometimes it's really tough to evaluate them is because like, as fun as it was, it was super stressful. There's also some of the most stressful times of your life. And like, yeah. that's not, like I remember like, being ready to piss my pants about whether I was gonna pass the beep test or not. Like, I know. That's fucking stupid! What I always thought about each year, it was the same people wouldn't pass, which is fine. Yeah. They were so fucking good at soccer, so yeah. I'm like, I'm, I'm happy they're on the field. Yeah. I would get so stressed about not passing, but I knew I was gonna pass every time. Yeah. 
and they would never pass, yet we were still on the field together. Yeah. It's like at the end of the day, if you're, I mean, this just goes to like fitness testing. Like if you're good to play, you're going to probably play. And I think having coached before too, it's like there's a time and place for a lot of the players and some players bring different things to different for sure. times of a game. And so I didn't realize that until I was coaching. Like I pulled you, we pulled you out because what you're bringing and what you bring is great, but it's not what we need. I would stress out about these situations or walking into pregame. You don't see your name on the board or you do see your name on the board. Like sitting back now, I don't remember at all. Like there are yeah, some right. games I do remember playing, obviously, but yeah. then I don't remember if I started. Like I don't remember if my friends started. I just remember after the game, we would go out to dinner with our parents or yeah. after the game going home and crying because our coach tore us a new one yeah. or the things that like, mattered and the relationships after but I was stressed about that stupid shit yep that was that was a big thing for me is like being in a world where I'm not like kind of being demanded to do things that's like a kind of a false sense of like leadership a little bit now I'm working and I was like kind of nervous to ask for tomorrow off to like take take your dog to the vet I was like oh yeah you don't have to ask just just make a note I'm like oh yeah. Oh, okay. There's a lot of good, and if there's anything like that, that I would, you know, kind of talking to two two sides here, people who are going into college and or are currently competing as a collegiate athlete, is like try to find one thing that you like to do outside of your sport. I I struggled a lot when I finished playing, and it wasn't until like I really started like hiking a lot. That year where I was coaching and, and not playing at Evansville, where I was coaching my former teammates and roommates, I started going on hikes by myself quite a bit, and I figured out that I really, really enjoyed that, and that was a total like game changer for me. And then again, while I was coaching, this is you're gonna be mad at me about this. I skied twice. And you had a pass? I never bought a pass. I lived here for seven years. I have skied twice. Seven? And it was because I was gone. It, I it mean, was not. It was not like a. Th- it, but no but like, time. last year I skied like six or seven times. I was like, this is fucking awesome. Yeah. Like I get it. I get well, it. When I moved to Colorado, I was the same. Like I was coaching. Yeah. And working like 70, 80 hours a week because I had two club team, two yeah, two club teams and coaching and yeah. I'm like basically a volunteer assistant. And then I'm like dog sitting, babysitting, doing whatever I could also yeah. to pay my rent. Yeah. Ever when my roommate would go skiing every weekend. And yeah. I'm like, what is up with this skiing thing? Like, awesome. it can't be that fun. So fun. And then I finally got a pass during COVID. I mean, I didn't have a job for a while either, but it was like finally a time where I did not have to go to the field. And it was the first time I didn't wake up and go to the field and set up yeah. in like years. And so I snowboarded. And it was awesome. Yeah. And I realized that I never would have known that I enjoyed camping or hiking or yeah. snowboarding right. until I was forced to not be able to do soccer, play, coach, and I like had to figure out other things. Yeah. Thank goodness. That's that's it though. Like figure out one thing that you like to do. Yeah. For those of us that are, are since retired, don't put too much pressure on yourself. That's what it was all about. It's putting pressure on yourself. I truly believe that 
you are who you are. Like you're the person that you're gonna be and like you don't need to put pressure on yourself to, to, to do that and you will figure it out. It might take you a little while. It's a shit, it took me years, right? I'm still figuring it out. Don't put too much pressure on yourself. Don't think that you have to do something specific because something will come up and hit you in the face and you'll figure it out. Like yeah. just like what we were talking about, like this place that we're at, Traverse, is great. People you meet, things that you do. I think you're like you're always where you're supposed to be. In the yeah. sense of like whenever I run into people who know someone else, I think of Carson Pickett. Yeah, she's Mike awesome. Pickett is like the reason I played soccer. That's cool. And lo and behold we have like a connection between yeah. them. And it's like the world is so small and maybe that's also because of it and so is the soccer world being yeah. smaller, but like you run into people who you never knew you would meet. Right. And become like go from irrelevant to your life to a big part of your life and you build from that. But thank goodness for Traverse. It's a great place. It Good is. people. But, yeah, what else? What else? One final question. Let's hear it. What would your walkout song my be? My walkout song? Mm. Oh my god. Can I tell a quick story or no? Yeah, you may you may tell a quick story. So <laughs> when I was in college my freshman year, I was like all into this like, everybody like in the locker room was like getting pumped up. And this is where I don't need external motivation. Everybody's in there getting pumped up, playing, playing Waka Flocka or some bullshit. Super loud, jumping up and down, just screaming. And we go out there and we start playing and someone like wrecks my teammate, pushes him and I come in and I fucking headbutt the guy and I got a red card. Concussion. No, I didn't get a concussion. <laughs> this is my freshman year. I had started like three games before this. Came in, just got a straight red card for something <laughs> stupid. I cannot imagine you doing that. Oh, I'm a psychopath when <laughs> I play soccer. I, it, it is totally different than anything you've ever seen. I can't explain it. I don't remember it. Like, I blacked out. Like, I just went over and did it. And after that, after that, when everybody was playing loud rap music and like getting, because I didn't need it. I didn't need that extra, it actually like was detrimental to my performance. Like, I was like, <laughs> I used to listen to, oh my God. I used to listen to like Counting Crows <laughs> before going Wait. out to play. I'd sit in my locker and just like have like Counting Crows, back, back before Spotify. Counting Crows Pandora plan. <laughs> Headphones, I'm assuming. Yeah. Just sit, no one was listening. Just, sit, just, just sitting there in my locker, super quiet, arms crossed, leaning back. <laughs> just trying to stay as calm as possible, and that actually did me really, really well. And so, when I come to the gym, I'm either listening to NPR news on the way in, <laughs> or, or like super chill, like folk, bluegrass yeah. music. Because I don't need to like get myself too amped up. So I guess my walkout song would be probably like No Rain, Blind Melon. Okay. Just like kind of like, kind of upbeat, but still still kind of chill. Level, even keel. Yeah. No Waka Flocka. No. Basically how you see me, like, don't frown, don't smile. Just yeah. kind of walk in like, hey, hi everyone. Yep, oh, I'm going to go run now. Okay, yep. See you guys, see you after. See you guys later. <laughs> and then I leave. Um, um, yeah, what's your walkout song? So, 
You're, my walkout song. You're hype. You like to get hype. I love a hype. So I was definitely the person. I was always on Ox in the locker <laughs> And so I They've think never that, let me be on Ox in the locker room. I, ever. Ever. I would never let you touch it. Now that I know. Yeah, no, I'll don't. never let you touch it. We went through like a Cardi B stint. I've been really on the like KP listens to This Is Where Legends Are Made type songs and it's been building which i'm embarrassed to say (laughs) (laughs) because i always make fun of him like for some of the songs but they've really been getting me hype i would say either that or like pure grinding by avicii yeah that's been getting me going i break ross i do love him so i went to a concert last week but my last concert and this is another thing i don't listen to that before i go and compete okay so if I'm just like listening to music, Rick Ross is top five. My last concert at Red Rocks before this last one was Rick Ross. It's like Rick Ross and Mac Miller, RIP. It was a great. That's incredible. It was pouring rain and it was awesome. I yeah, that's a dream. Gucci Mane is like my number one. Because <laughs> you're like, from the dirty south. Yeah, and then <laughs> <laughs> I would say like Gucci Mane, Rick Ross, Lil Wayne, which okay. is like a classic. So if there's one rap album I would like listen to because rap gives me like it just really is excited. I listen to Carter Three before before games. Yeah. God bless my dad's ears. No, he never said anything. I think he was too concerned. <laughs> so he's like driving with his eyes wide open. It's like, oh my god, did you hear what Yeah, said? and I'm like singing along. Rap music definitely hypes me up. Per all the songs I play in my classes. Me too. Hypes me up, but I don't. But need, I don't need extra. I, I don't need extra hype. Yeah, that's fair. Then I do something stupid. Yeah. I need calm. I need to be calm. No, this is super cool. I'm glad that you're doing this. I don't know if this was perfect. Anything, but I just perfect. rambled and talked a lot. Nice. I don't. I don't talk about myself a whole lot very often, so yeah. this was a little, little weird for me, but I enjoyed it very much. Thank you. Um, I think this is a great. I think the sheet that you sent me is awesome, right? Because on the sheet it says the goal is to have one person be impacted by this, right? And there's going to be a ton of people that don't like what I say, but if one person does, and that's that's why I coached, as I would always say, there's one person that I look back to from high school that was awesome, and like if I could make one person feel the way I feel about Craig, is his name, then fuck yeah, I did good. Yeah. So thank you for doing this. This is great. I hope that I help you Absolutely. achieve that goal. Um, this is super fun, and I hope uh, I hope that you keep getting traction with this because it's pretty neat. Yeah, it's been fun. Thanks for doing it. Of and course.